Together at the Table, the podcast from Integrity Music, where people around the world sit at their tables and talk about life in all its colors. Not to judge, but to love, share, listen, and learn. Whether you're rich or poor, we all sit at a table. And when we gather, everyone has a part to play in the conversation. So join us now as we share stories together at the table. Welcome to Together at the Table, where we come together to share stories and insights with extraordinary individuals. And I'm your host, Andrew Phillips. Today, we're delighted to introduce to you Sarah Kroger. Sarah is a Nashville-based worship leader and songwriter with a remarkable journey. She's released five albums, including Your Time, Hallelujah is Our Song, Bloom, Light, and the recent London sessions, which are beautiful. Sarah is not just a solo artist, but a part of the multicultural trio Village Lights and the female collective Faithful, showcasing her incredible creativity and talent. Sarah's love for music began early, thanks to her parents' involvement in worship ministry. However, Sarah kept her musical gift hidden for years due to experiences with bullying, anxiety, and shyness. Everything changed when she encountered Jesus through worship at a youth conference, and worship became her unique language with God, opening her heart and inspiring her to give her musical gift back to the Lord. Now Sarah passionately leads worship events around the world, bringing together people from diverse cultures and backgrounds under the banner of Jesus. Her music creates a safe and prayerful space where people can profoundly encounter the heart of God. And as a contemporary worship leader, Sarah Kroger brings a fresh language to people's relationship with Jesus, inspiring vulnerability, intimacy, and honesty. Join us as we sit down with Sarah Kroger and explore her incredible journey and the power of worship. Sarah, welcome to the table. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. It's quite the intro. Thanks so much. Well, (laughs) It's a lovely intro, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll find and discover that more as we talk with you. Um, This podcast is based on Luke 11, 37. Mm. And Jesus had finished talking or speaking, and and a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. Mm. So he went and reclined at the table. And we're basically bringing ourselves to the table with Jesus and bringing Jesus to our table. Mm. I wonder if you do the honor by inviting Jesus to our table now. I would love to. Thank you. Lord, we turn our eyes to you in this moment. We invite you into this place, into the space of uh, whoever's listening to this podcast right now. We invite you to be in our midst, to be in our presence, that we would feel you as you draw close, that we would tune our ears to hear your voice more clearly, the things that you desire to say to us, Lord, today. And we open our hearts to you, that we would experience your love in a new way today. We ask all this through your most holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. I wonder if we could start looking at the table, as in the table you work at. Hmm. What kind of work do you do at your table? And describe it for us if you can. Uh, at my table at home or just a figurative table? Yeah, figuratively. It's okay. probably a good way to go about this. Yeah. Uh, so I am a worship leader and a songwriter, an artist, uh, a creative, a wife, um, a daughter. I, I feel like there's many tables that I sit at, and so there's many hats that I have, but um, the greatest joy of my life truly is being a wife, and then second behind that is being a worship leader and a songwriter. It's the greatest joy of my life, truly. Let's talk about the worship yeah. writing, the songwriting, because in effect, worship is an act between yourself and God. Mm. And yet you're writing these songs for other people to experience mm. and share with. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, hopefully. But how does that work as a process for you at the table? Mm. I think it always starts with prayer, or at least I I hope that it always starts with prayer. That's what I, I would hope that it does um, through an experience that I have with the Lord. Um, a lot of where I get my inspiration from comes from my prayer life, comes from just having conversations with God or just spending time in meditation with the scriptures or with like a, a, a book that's inspiring me right now. It happens to be uh, the author, Henry Nouwen. I love reading his works and I find a lot of um, peace and a lot of solace in reading those, those uh, books of his. And, I don't know. I guess I guess it just comes from living life. A lot of my songwriting inspiration just comes from day in, day out, living life with the Lord, um, trying to be present at His table, you know, as often as I can and and sit at His feet and learn from Him and, and try to draw inspiration from that relationship. That's really where it all starts and ends for me. And in the writing of the songs. Yeah. Is it melody that comes first or is it lyrics mm. that come or? Yeah. For me, I'm definitely a melody heavy person. I, uh, my parents always tell this story about how when I was younger, I would get notes sent home from school like Sarah's doing great, but she will not stop singing in class because I just don't stop singing. It's just always been in my brain. It's always just in my mind. It's always on my heart. I, I literally just sing all the time. So melody is for sure just kind of like in my blood, always oozing out of me, it feels like. Um, and honestly, for the longest time, I was convinced that I wasn't a songwriter because melody came to me more naturally than lyrics did. And I always felt like, oh, if I can't have lyrics, then this isn't really a song. It's more just something instrumental or something meditative to sit with. And then I was introduced to the art of co-writing, which changed everything for me and made me realize that there's a, a, a place where you can bring what you're gifted in and someone else can do the same and you can collaborate together and create something that never existed before. So it's it's such a beautiful process. It's a vulnerable process to co-write, but it's definitely the way that I um, write basically all my songs now. And I'm not ashamed to say that because it's a really beautiful, collaborative uh, process of really coming together again at the table and bringing all of our experiences into a song. And it's just kind of one of the most beautiful processes I've ever been a part of every time I get to do it. Mm. In, in the introduction... Yeah. We kind of like, in a few words, explained a lifetime, you know, a journey <laughs> to a place. Yeah. And that place was worship and writing worship songs. 
So could you tell us a little bit about that journey mm. to the table of worship? Yeah. What was it? Yeah. Well, I grew up in a super musical household. Both my parents were involved in music ministry from before I was born. So music was always in our house um, and around the table. Literally, when we were kids, we would just sing songs together and uh, specifically musicals. We would always have musicals playing through our house and just grew up in an environment that was incredibly musical. I was forced to take piano lessons when I was a kid. Super grateful for that now um, because I use that skill all the time. But it was just infused in our life and our childhood. And when I was a, a junior in high school, I went to a youth conference and I had, you know, I'd been going to church my whole life. I'd been raised in the church, but it, at that point in my life, it was really my parents' hmm. faith. It was my parents' religion that they were kind of, you know, passing down to me. It was, and it was beautiful. I would go to church every Sunday, but it was more about following these regulations, following these rules, as opposed to uh, a relationship. And I remember going to a youth conference where Matt Marr was leading worship, and it was the first time I had ever encountered contemporary worship. So, in an essence, like this new language that I had never had before that moment for how to communicate with God in a personal way, in a way that I didn't even know I could do before that point. I didn't even know that God could be personal to me um, and that I could have my own faith life and have my own journey. And it was really through the worship, through that that music that I learned that I could do that. And so it became this thing where it wasn't just about the worship, it went beyond that. The mm. worship was a starting point, but it taught me how to literally have the building blocks to have a relationship with God. And it was from that point on that I uh, dove headfirst into a relationship with Jesus and never looked back. And kind of throughout the years following that, you know, I had struggled with bullying in elementary school. And for a long, long time, I refused to sing in front of anybody. I had a gift for music. I think I always knew that I had a gift for music, but I was too terrified to share it with anyone. And at that conference, there was a speaker actually who said, if you have a gift from God and you're not using it, you're denying the glory of God within you. And I remember just feeling called out in that moment. Um, and I realized this is a gift and it's not meant just for me. And I'm being selfish by not allowing God to use it in whatever way he wants to. And so I just slowly started saying yes. I slowly started like piecing together worship songs on my own and writing writing just for my own prayer time, really. And then leading worship at my youth group and, and just slowly day after day, week after week, I just started gaining more and more confidence. And um, it led me down the path of leading worship at the church down the road, and then the conference across town, and then the conference across the the, uh, the globe. I mean, now I've been all over the world doing this. And it's incredible to kind of look back on that time and be able to see how the Lord was so patient with me, but also inviting me into um, this path that I never could have created for myself mm -hmm. and inviting me to say yes to a wild journey, again, that I never could have planned for myself. And so now looking back on that, it's just, it's pretty insane. And I really, I don't know, I guess I want to just encourage anyone out there that's listening to this story to not be afraid to say yes to the Lord, because you have no idea what's on the other side of that, you know? Mm. 
Can I ask, of all the songs that you've written, yeah. which is a number now, um, is there one particular worship song that gets you every time mm. that you kind of feel like this is the one, this is one that's me and for me and God? Wow. There's probably several, um, but the one that's coming to mind right now that isn't, I, w- I don't even know if I would classify it as a worship song as much as a, a song that leads people to contemplation and to prayer. Maybe that is worship. I don't know. Maybe mm. we don't need to be so strict about what our definitions of worship is. It's not a corporate worship song. Let's just say that. Um, that song is a, a song of mine called Belovedness. And it's it was based on um, a season in my life when I did not believe in my belovedness. Mm. I did not—I uh, struggled with my identity as a beloved child of God. And I was owning a lot of other things about my life before owning my identity as a beloved child of God. I was owning the lies that had been told to me or that had been said about me or that I believed about myself. I was owning fears that I had. I was owning what society was telling me I should be in order and what I should accomplish in order to be loved or accepted. I was owning all of these other things and living out of that rather than living out of my identity as a beloved child of God. And there is truly a difference. Um, and so I read a book by Henry Nouwen called Life of the Beloved, and it kind of set me on this journey of, of realizing and discovering these things about myself and uh, learning how to live as a beloved child of God. And so this song kind of came at the tail end of that journey. I think I'm still on that journey, but I had done a lot of therapy, a lot of spiritual direction, a lot of just uh, day in and day out work with that. And this song, Belovedness, kind of came out of that journey. Um, And it really kind of follows that same guideline of just stop owning the things that were never your identity to begin with. Own the fact that you are loved by God and that there's nothing that you will ever do or that can, has been done to you that could ever take that identity away. That's really what that whole song is about. And every single time I sing it, um, I feel like I learn a deeper piece of my identity and, a, and I, get a, um, I get even like a, another glimpse at the way that God sees me if that makes sense. Even just a glimpse, that's what I always say when I introduce this song, like even just a glimpse of seeing how God sees me as his beloved child would be enough. And so every time I sing it, it's like I get another glimpse, another angle, another, a deeper level to his love um, for me. And so, yeah, I hope that when people hear that song that they get the same. Can you just sing a little bit now? (laughs) Sure, I can sing the chorus. That'd be lovely. He says you're mine. I smiled when I made you. I find you beautiful in every way. My love for you is fierce and unending. I'll come to find you, whatever it takes. My beloved, it's time to own your belovedness. Thank you so much for sharing that. Welcome. Let's stay on the table thoughts for a while. And I, wa- I want to ask you about your family table. Mm. Now, I guess that's, you know, your family as in the one you grew up with and the one you're in now. Can yeah. you tell us about some of the things that are special around your family table? Mm. 
Growing up, I remember just the importance of dinner every single night and gathering as a family every single night around the dinner table. I just remember it being such a beautiful opportunity to uh, share about our days, share about our highs and our lows and um, and love one another in that. And so I just have this like really uh, like profound memory of that from my childhood. It really like set such a foundation for family life. You know, outside of the dinner table, there could be like chaos all day long, you know, but every single day we knew, okay, at least for this hour long that we have to eat dinner together, we're just going to be together. And honestly, when I was growing up, we didn't have cell phones. So it wasn't like all of us were scrolling or trying to be in touch with other people. It was literally, we were just at the table and we just got to eat together and laugh together and sing together and cry together and just break bread. And it was really, it, like I said, it really set the foundation for my life. And so um, now with my husband, my husband and I don't have children yet, but we do eat dinner together every single night. And it's the same kind of thing. We get to share and break bread. And uh, it's been like the foundation for our marriage is being able to sit at that table. And and oftentimes we also start the day together um, because we both work from home. So we start the day together at our table as well and have coffee together and just kind of wake up <laughs> um, together. But it really is it's really set the foundation for our relationship and continues to do so. And I pray that, God willing, if we're able to have children one day, that we're able to set that same foundation for them. Hmm. Together at the table. Sarah Kroger's new EP, Light Has Come. Has come the new EP by Sarah Kroger, available now wherever you stream music. Together at the table. Hi, Andrew Phillips here. We've put together a resource for you to take your podcast experience to the next level. You can now bring the heartwarming conversations from our podcast to your very own table. Introducing the Together at the Table PDF Listening Guide. This guide provides a deeper insight into our series and offers you the chance to host your very own Together at the Table gathering. Inside, you'll find all the thought-provoking questions we discuss in every episode. Use these questions to create meaningful conversations with your friends and family, just as we do on the podcast. It's a great way to connect and grow together. Download your copy now by going to integritymusic.com forward slash together at the table. We'd love you to share your responses with us. What insights did you gain and what conversations were sparked around your table? We've set up a voicemail so you can get in touch and tell us about your stories from your table. Call 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. We look forward to sharing your stories and thoughts on a future episode. Thank you for being part of this beautiful community.
together at the table. Jesus often dined with various people, different people, um, even those that were marginalized, Mm. even those that people didn't want to sit with. Mm. Do you practice that kind of Mm. table? I wouldn't say in our family home we do, but there have been several times where I've been able to volunteer at homeless kitchens or um, homeless shelters or things like that. And I get that same feeling, that same sense. In fact, this summer, we got to go to Italy to be a part of this work camp um, that happened in Rome, where we were exploring churches during the day, but then also serving at soup kitchens in Italy. And what was so incredible about it is that we, even though we didn't speak the same language, a smile went such a long way and being able to learn at least like a few words that people could understand, like, would you like more water or hello, how are you doing? Or things like that. It just, there was a a humanity and a dignity that I felt like it brought to people just to look at them in the eye and uh, and to partake in and celebrate the fact that we were in around and in a space where they were having a meal and they were safe, even if it was just for literally 30 minutes of their day where they could just sit in the quiet and eat their meal and be served and and love one another. And it was just like such an incredibly profound experience. I haven't even fully processed all of that yet. Um, but I would say that it it's a practice that I would hope to do more in my life because I think it's really important to do that and as Christians to practice what we preach and and not to just like serve someone and walk away but actually to try to develop relationships and try to love one another truly love one another I think in order to do that you have to actually be willing to sit beside someone and hear from them and share stories with them and all of those kinds of things and actually take the time out of your day to be willing to listen to someone else's story. Um, And so, yeah, I guess I don't have that practice in my life right now, but I wish that I did. And maybe this is a sign that I need to, (laughs) you know? I I was going to ask too, like, what do you think people say about you when you leave a table? Or or Mm. you can answer it in another way, what you would like people to say (laughs) about you when you leave the table. (laughs) But do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes. Because you, you've been to many tables. You've traveled a lot. Yeah. You do a lot with people. And I guess when you come to worship meetings, yeah, you never know what that mix of people is going to be, where they've come from, yeah. what they're thinking, what they're doing. But you're coming to that table as well. Yeah. So what do people say about you when you've, you've mm. had an impact in their life? I would hope that people say that I listened, that I was a good listener because I really do love hearing people's stories and I love hearing their perspectives and learning from different people and where they came from and how they were raised. And I just think that that enriches your life when you can hear someone else's story and, and kind of, uh, for me, it expands my perspective on the world and it challenges my perspective on the world. Because sometimes I think if we're by ourselves or just kind of like in our own little corner, only surrounding ourselves with people who think like us, which is really easy to do in this day and age. Then we get siloed and we get kind of in our own little bubble and it can be super easy to just kind of see the world in one way. And I think 
what I hope that I do when I find myself around various tables is that I listen. I ask questions and I actually make people feel like I care about their perspective and where they come from and um, that it's worthwhile to share your story. And and so I guess, yeah, I, I guess that's what I hope people come away with when they've encountered me is that I cared, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I cared about mm-hmm. who they are. And it wasn't just about what I can bring or what I can offer, but what they can offer me in my life. If you could bring something to the table today, leave something here and and maybe give it to me or just leave it, what would it be? <laughs> my immediate reaction is one of my really good gluten-free baked good. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> because I'm gluten-free. That I'd like. And not everyone is gluten-free. And I want the world to know that just because it's gluten-free is, it doesn't mean that it's bad. <laughs> uh, so I would say probably something that I've homemade. I really enjoy, I really enjoy baking for people. I really do. I think um, it's kind of like a little bit of a, a labor of love and it takes a lot of time and it takes concentration and chemistry and doing it right. And it's like one of my favorite things to do in the world when I'm invited to a dinner party to bring a really good dessert mm. um, and to share that with people. And there's nothing like bringing a dessert and seeing people react to it in a positive way. It's just, it's like love embodied, literally. Mm. So I guess that's what I would bring. I'd be happy. That would be <laughs> lovely. If I was going to ask you too about the worship table yeah. that you prepare, you, you prepare many a worship table mm. where you're trying to bring people to the throne and to see Jesus. Yeah. What are you trying to do? And how do you know when you've, mm. you've presented that, that moment or that worship moment that it's done its job? Mm. That's a great question. I think for me, my goal every single time I lead worship is that they would not see me, but that they would see God. That it's not about me. It's not about my name. It's not about my songs. It's not about how good my voice is or how bad it is even, Um, but that they would be not distracted by any of that, that they would be led straight to the feet of God. Um, That's my goal. Every single time I lead worship, uh, that I would be able to disappear and that it would truly just set a table for an encounter, a moment of encounter with um, the one who loves them more than anyone on this planet, on this earth, and that they would experience that love. Um, So that's really my goal is just to set the table and like kind of (laughs) silently back away um, and allow just time and space for them to encounter the one that loves them. That's a beautiful thought. In all the tables that you've sat on in time, <laughs> yeah. is there a lifetime memory you have at a table? Mm. Something that happened that you'll never forget? A lifetime memory that happened at a table. I got to think about that for a second. A lifetime memory that happened at a table. Hmm. I think <laughs> a lifetime memory that I will never forget. There's many. There's many, many. Because um, like you're saying, I've sat at many tables around the world. But I think the one that I will never forget is at our wedding. We had 
we had a long table with our our bridal party and all of their couples and everything. And we kind of sat at the head of this room. And I just had this moment where I got to kind of just watch everyone uh, who didn't know each other sitting at these tables, eating them, eating a meal, and all all of it brought together because of our love story, because my husband and I loved each other. And this moment was happening because of that and because God brought us together. And it was just this like, I think our wedding day was just this moment. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. It was just this moment of love that was poured out upon us that I will never be able to repay, ever. I will never be able to repay everyone who drove and flew to our wedding. I've been married eight years. <laughs> like, why am I still emotional about it? But it was such a tangible experience of the love of God for us. Hmm. That was probably the most profound table I've ever sat at. So thank to everyone you. who was there, thank you. <laughs> mm, thank you for sharing that. We have a couple more questions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, hopefully, hopefully, I won't. We won't be crying. No, but, no. Let's but, be happy. No, I, I love, I love the fact that the tears come because the tears, as someone mm. once told me, tears is only a sign of great love. Mm. So that's how I see tears. Praise God for that. Yeah. Who would you like to sit at the table with if you could? If you could invite anyone living um, mm. or historical to your table for a meal. Oh my God. Who would it be? And what would you hope to discuss or learn from that moment? I've been asked this question a couple of times, and my answer is almost always the same. So I would absolutely love to sit with Mother Teresa mm. and just kind of be in her presence, just kind of be in her aura and listen to her talk about how she views God and the world and people. I just think... She's so, her life was so incredibly inspiring. Um, the way that she loved the poorest of the poor with the love of God, but also the way that she, for I want to say 10 plus years, literally went through a dark night of the soul where she didn't hear from the Lord for many, many years. I don't know how many people know about that part of her story where she just walked through utter silence and darkness with the Lord and still did the work that she did. And so just to like learn from her, I think would be really fascinating. So her, and then maybe, I don't know, maybe someone really funny. I really enjoy laughing. So um, I can't think, of, that would be a random table to have like a comedian and Mother Teresa. <laughs> that would be kind of fun though. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head right now, but I don't know. Mother Teresa, for sure. Yeah. I've been to Calcutta, actually. and really? I, I, I Yeah, my father was born there. Oh, my goodness. So I, I have actually been to wow. where Mother Teresa's place was. And it's only if you go to Calcutta, you can understand mm. the depth of love mm. that you have to have for those that are lost. Uh, and there was a guy that um, impacted my father, mm. who was a Canadian guy who went as a missionary to Calcutta. Um, and he, he gave up a really good job as a radio presenter to go and be mm. a missionary. And so he goes to Calcutta and wow. he starts preaching on the street. And while he's preaching, an Indian man comes up to him and he says, excuse me, sir, we don't need another God in India. Wow. We've got plenty. What we do need is a hospital and mm. a school. And that's what that man did. Wow. He made hospitals and schools. And children that lived on the streets and in the gutter became wow. doctors Oh and teachers, gosh. 
and missionaries went around the world. So wow. not just Mother Teresa, but many yeah. people in that place of pain have changed the world. Wow. Mm. What an incredible story. Absolutely. I, I, I have a final question. It's the question. <laughs> and uh, it's if you sat with Jesus, just Jesus, mm. just with him at the table, what would you say? Again, my immediate reaction is thank you. <laughs> I'm so emotional today. I'm sorry. It's okay. His love is so... It's the best gift I've ever received. And I'm so grateful. Even when I'm struggling and even when I'm questioning things and having a difficult time, his love is uh, undeniable and unshakable in my life. And I'm just so thankful, so thankful that I've met him and that I have him mm. in my life, no matter what. So I think that's where it would start. <laughs> and then maybe from there, we'd go into all kinds of things mm. because he's my best friend. <laughs> but... I think it would start with thank you. Hmm. And what would you say to people who have been contemplating for a long while whether they would even face Jesus at a table hmm. because they don't even know if they have the courage or hmm. the faith to do that? What would you say to them? Wow. I would say you have nothing to be afraid of. He's waiting at the table for you. You don't even have to do anything. You don't even have to invite him. He's waiting. Uh, all that you have to do is show up. And I would say, don't be afraid. Um, there's a lot of people who think that Jesus is someone because he was misrepresented by Christians to them. Um and there's a lot of people who've been hurt by that. But I would just say to them, I'm so sorry, first of all, for the ways that you've been hurt by people who have misrepresented who Jesus was to you, but that was never him. And if you want to find out who he is, there's a table where he's sitting, waiting for you, and longing for you to just come and be open. And to love you. Um, so I would say, run to that table and don't be afraid and allow him to love you. Sarah, thank you for coming to the table today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you. Together at the table. Together at the Table is an integrity music podcast and hosted by Andrew Phillips. The show is produced by Lasting Media Group. Our executive producers are Andrew Phillips and Jason B. Jones. Special thanks to Callie Argent, Bruno Balduino, Olivia Buchanan, Madison France, Alicia St. Gillet, Robbie Moore, Matt Lott, Noah Newman, and John Schneck. Our theme music is Good God, Lo-Fi Version by Special Music from their upcoming album, Still Worship, Lo-Fi, Volume 2. 
To listen to more lo-fi and Christian instrumental music, search for Still Worship wherever you listen to music. To learn more about Together at the Table, as well as Integrity Music, visit IntegrityMusic.com. And to get more involved with the show, follow us on socials at TogetherTablePod. We've also set up a voicemail at 1-607-96-TABLE. That's 1-607-968-2253. If you have comments or questions, or you'd like to be a part of the show, please call and leave a message. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps keep Together at the Table on the charts where people can find our show. Thank you once again for being with us together at the table.